Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Tiasha Zaitz. In December, I'm talking to people with inspiring stories in healthcare and medicine. And today, you're going to hear from Claire Murigande. She's a medical affairs leader born in Burundi, who lived in Kenya and is now based in Switzerland. She's a biologist by background, passionate about empowering team members and bringing value through science. Among other things, she recently completed an advanced business degree in digital leadership and looked at the future development of digital health, where, as she says, being mindful of diversity is going to be essential. She's also a TEDx speaker and the host of an award-winning podcast, Narratives of Purpose. In the podcast, she talks with people making extraordinary social impact in various areas, such as youth empowerment, healthcare initiatives, and sustainable business. In this short discussion, we talked about her journey, healthcare in Switzerland, diversity, and what she has learned about global healthcare through her podcast. Enjoy the show, and if you haven't yet, do subscribe to the podcast to be notified about new episodes automatically, and go to www.facesofdigitalhealth.com to explore other episodes as well. I will also add the link to Claire's TED Talk and podcast in the show notes. Now let's go to the discussion. Claire, hi. Uh, thanks for joining me in this discussion. For December, I really wanted to focus on inspiring stories of individuals working in healthcare and medicine. Now, um, you're coming from Africa, but your family moved to Europe while you were still a child. So just as a warm-up question, can you tell me a little bit more about your background and how you came to where you are today working in the pharmaceutical industry? Sure, yeah, I'd love to tell you about that. Thanks again for inviting me. It's really a pleasure to be on your show. Talking about my, I would say, cultural and geographical background, as you rightfully said, it did start on the African continent, more specifically in East Africa. So I was born in a very small country called Burundi and from parents who basically were from the neighboring country, which is also a very small country. And to be honest, I don't have a lot of souvenirs about that period because we quickly moved to, to Kenya and uh, that's where I grew up until the family moved to Switzerland as well. So I, as you can see, I have really a diverse, I would say, background and all of this kind of fits into who I am today. And on the professional side, it's very much a scientific background because um, I am a biologist by training and I have been professionally active in the past decade or so, I have to say, within the biotech and pharmaceutical um, sector. If I would put it in a nutshell, I would say that I have a um, first-hand experience into bringing new therapies on, onto the market, really from the scientific and clinical vantage point, and mainly in Switzerland. The reason why I wanted to talk to you was also because you've got a podcast called Narratives of Purpose, where you try to highlight, find and search for stories with impact on society. So people with a purpose and how they got to where they are. We're going to come to that a little bit later. I still want to stick 
uh, with your traveling a little bit. I'm assuming that based on the fact that you're coming from uh, Burundi, Rwanda and Kenya, do you still have uh, any contacts there, family? Do you still uh, travel there? I do travel there every now and then, and I, I do have relatives, in mostly in Rwanda, basically. And I have to say, yeah, it's being in Switzerland is also... I would say somehow comparable because it's also a small country within Europe. The the dimensions, more to speak, so to speak, are relatively identical. And when it now comes to healthcare, I guess that's probably your question as well. Exactly. Um, obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously, there's a huge difference. And the way I see it, at least, is that things are very much evolving thanks to technology globally and also in that region as well. The other thing is that obviously in Europe and more specifically also in, in Switzerland, you really have full access to a lot of therapies and to a lot of um, different specialists and so on, which is not always the case. At least now I'm speaking about Rwanda because this is where I have relatives. And so for instance, my father, he lives there. And if I would take like a simple example, like he was recently operated for cataract. So this is really, I would say, a routine procedure, right? These are things that can also happen there. But now when it comes to more, let's say, specific uh, conditions like cancer or even rare diseases, then the access there is definitely not the same as what, you know, one would have here in, in Switzerland. And this is where I see the major difference. But that being said, so many things are evolving and so many new um, methods as well. I was re reading recently about they're setting up a research center for uh, robotic surgery, for instance. So a lot of things are happening thanks to technology. And I think this also accounts to the fact that at least nowadays, think of, things are probably more addressed in terms of ecosystems and partnerships and so on. And that's how things can also quickly evolve. At least that's my personal perspective on the question. Mm -hmm. it's, I've, I had an episode about Rwanda in the past and Africa and Rwanda specifically talking to uh, a representative of Babylon. So Babylon is most known in the UK, but they're actually working on developing a solution in Rwanda as well. And it was very interesting to see that while it's the same companies, also in the UK, a smart app to enable people access to GPs and also basically clarifying if their situation healthcare-wise is serious or not with the help of AI in mm -hmm. Rwanda, the approach was much different because of different technology that's available there. But there's definitely a lot of innovation happening in Rwanda because it's so forward-thinking and very strong in internet access for a long time. Yeah, but not to go too deep into that because listeners can search for those episodes <laughs> uh, in, in the history. How about healthcare in, in Switzerland more specifically? So Switzerland does have a little bit of a different system compared to other uh, European countries. So if I'm not mistaken, you're obliged to, to have insurance, but there's a lot of competition between insurance companies, right? So, yeah, so basically there is the, the, so for every citizen in Switzerland, basically you have to have a mandatory coverage and this will cover, I would say, the, the basic HCP visits and so on. But then every other insurance company can offer you well, supplementary insurance and that could cover so many other things. You can have even up to dental care, homeopathy, all these like natural and stuff or, or even like Chinese medicine, for instance. So this is very usually on top of that. And and you as as a citizen, you can choose to have it or not to have it. And then depending on the different insurers, then you will have different pay plans. I would say there's different uh, costs. So that's quite I would say compared to other countries around us. And 
That is, it's almost always, I would say every year, it's always like a debate in terms of what you have to pay on a monthly basis or really it's always going up. And then the question is always, and this is where I <laughs> I stop in terms of going into the debate, is that because it's such a huge and complex system, is that why is it increasing? Is it the cost of the medicines? Is it the cost of the hospitals and so on and so forth? So it's always every year a new debate because every year this costs they change and they slightly increase, basically. Mm -hmm. My experience working within the private sector, when you bring um, a new therapy, obviously there's always the cost of the medicines, but most of the time there's so many other costs that you need to you know, take into consideration. And this is also how they fix the price. We're not, without going into details, but there's so many other things to take into consideration that the system is quite complex, I have to say. And uh, do the employers have any kind of leverage or... Um just buying power or negotiation power when it comes to talking to insurance companies so their employees can maybe get a better deal with one insurance company than the other? Or is it completely up to the individual to choose what kind of insurance he or she is going to get? It depends on your employer. I, speaking only from my experience, having had different employers, they could have partnerships or agreement with a certain insurance, which means that you will have something I didn't mention. Yeah, something I didn't mention before is that if you want the supplementary coverage, sometimes insurance can refuse that coverage to give it to you if you have pre-existing conditions or whatever, or depending on your age. I don't know exactly. And if you're uh, an employee of a certain company because they have maybe an agreement or they with this XYZ insurance company, then you, you might not need to have to go through that questionnaire and you will have it anyway. So that's, I would say, one of the benefits. But then it's a bit difficult to know which employer is doing what. So that's a bit difficult to tell, I would say. But in, in the end, you basically need to choose for yourself. Unless you're probably in a company which is has, I don't want to say a deal, but at least a partnership with an insurance that will say that you don't have to go through this questionnaire and then the insurance will not have to, you know, decide whether they give this coverage or not. One of the things that Switzerland is also often mentioned in the international space is the fact that uh, assisted suicide, being able to decide to end your own life for medical reasons, is allowed, unlike in many other countries across the world. Euthanasia is a huge debate, not a digital health-related one, but definitely yes, a <laughs> culture-related one. So I'm just wondering, what is the... The, the general sense that you have around that topic, not you specifically, but what the Swiss look on this. So in society, what would you say? Uh, are there heated debates of whether or not this is acceptable or not? Or is it just uh, something that people are already used to because it's been possible for so long? It's actually a good question. But to be honest, I have not heard of any of this, any such debate on that topic. And I personally even didn't know that it was possible in Switzerland until I heard from actually from people or from documentaries from outside of Switzerland saying that it was possible in Switzerland. So, yeah, I wouldn't even have asked if I didn't see a very recent news that is digital health related. And that is that a 3D printed capsule, which is destined for use in assisted suicide, may 
legally be operated in Switzerland very soon, according to advice obtained by the Exit uh, International. I will add the link to this uh, news in the show notes, but we don't definitely have to go deeper into the topic. Oh, wow. When I started my journalistic career, one of my first uh, interviews was actually with uh, the founder of the organization called Dignitas, who, uh, which is operating uh, in Zurich or near Zurich. And we had an yeah. interview related to how they choose patients or who can uh, actually get that service. And it's definitely not just anyone. It, it, there has to be a lot of certainty that this is somebody that yeah. has terminal illness and is potentially suffering. And then that's allowed. But really, that's um, not <laughs> something we should go deeper into. So let's talk <laughs> a little bit uh, more about your background and your work. You do work in the pharmaceutical industry. However, you recently did a course on digital le leadership where you were exploring digital health and uh, where it's going in the future. Can you tell me a little bit about the research and more importantly, the findings that you came to? Yes, sure. So, so basically, the way it also came about is that at some point, um, I was thinking, how can I remain relevant? And what I also did in parallel, just to give you a bit of a context, why I chose also this topic for the research for, for this MBA, is that we speak about AI, we speak about digital health, but what is that exactly? And my training as a biologist is way, way far behind, <laughs> at least 10, 10, 12 years ago. So I thought it was really a good opportunity to self-educate again and really be on top of things and I had this I took this online course about two months on AI in healthcare so the, basically now coming back to your question about the research I asked myself in 10 years from now what will healthcare look like say say in 2030 obviously there's going to be a lot of digitization but um, doing a lot of research so this is really a literature search based and I did also did a short survey with a few people that I had identified who are active in this space and and basically the using this foresight method is to identify what are the key drivers for future trends and establish probably different scenarios and kind of so a couple of key drivers that I had pinpoint was uh, cybersecurity and transparency because in the end we are also sharing sensitive information and patience as future consumer, if you will, and also needs to be aware of what is happening with the data, but also physicians need to also trust the system at some point. And the other key driver that I identified was diversity, because we also see that very much now with a, with a pandemic. Vaccines are developed in a certain area of the globe, but then not everybody has access to it where everybody needs access to it. So if I take now the whole AI and digitization in healthcare, when I learned about biases and so on, who is developing this? How are we training these models? Do we include the data that represent really the, the entire population? And in terms of developing also solutions in the healthcare system, the founders, are they part of underrepresented populations as well? So that that's where I wanted to go a bit deeper because I really noticed that this is also, there's a gap there. In 10 years, obviously, healthcare is very much going to be digitized, but we really need to ensure that it's going to be safe and available for everyone. And I think this is where the challenge lies, really. Diversity is a huge topic in research, in data gathering, in representation on the sea levels and in leadership. I had a speaker 
talking about this in September because there was a study done in Spain regarding what is the situation in terms of re women representation in uh, the VC space. Without going into details about those results, I did find interesting when the speaker from Spain mentioned that if you want to have diversity, it just doesn't happen on its own. You have to actively work for it. And in your podcast, Narratives of Purpose, you seem to take an active role in really making sure that you've got diverse speakers. Is that uh, intentional? I don't know if it's intentional in the sense that uh, it's something that I set forth that I absolutely need to have. It's very natural, I would say. So like we were speaking about my background before, you know, being in different places, having really this different perspective, different cultures and being exposed to. For me, it just makes sense that diversity should be a given. And basically what needs to be intentional is the inclusion, right, which, which stems from diversity. And in that sense, I am very much open to whoever around the world is making a change and that I either proactively following them or see them or someone brings them to my attention. And, and I guess that's where perhaps you see that there is a diverse um, group of guests that I have. What is important for me is really to also address a diverse diverse topics, right? Not only healthcare, there's obviously um, an emphasis on healthcare because it's also a bit of my background. And also healthcare and education for me are two pillars, uh, two, two things that touch every single person on, on this planet. So I think in terms of diversity, it's more like um, intentional to have as much as broad, as much as different topics as possible and, and, and broad. And as long as whoever is coming on the show is acting in the sense that they want to make a change or they see a gap or something, they see that it can positively affect communities. It can, it can be really even from your neighborhood to something more global. It's Yeah, you're definitely not limiting yourself to, to one sector. You're really going on all sorts of topics. So I, but since Faces of Digital Health is focused on healthcare, I am a little bit more interested in hearing from you what you learned about healthcare through the discussions that you had. On one hand, what is absolutely sure is this topic of diversity inclusion again is that the fact that depending on where you are on the planet, then your access to healthcare is definitely different from someone else. Two of my first guests that were addressing healthcare, basically one of them, he's based in Switzerland. He has a family owned, how's it again? It's a medical device company. Exactly. It's a family owned medical device company and they, they operate mainly in the, oh, I have a blank now. <laughs> Eye surgery, exactly. It's basically focusing on, on eye care, eye surgery. The company, they developed really a, a, a partnership with a leading uh, ophthalmologist from Nepal who has been really, I think his lifelong, he was, has been active in terms of providing to the poorest people around the world, starting with his own country, with Nepal, with the best treatment possible, especially for cataract surgery. I was mentioning in the beginning about cataract surgery. This is, if you're in Europe, if you're in anywhere around the world, it's something, sometimes it's even like you go into the, in the morning, you're back at home in the evening, and the next day you see even better than before. But for many other people in other countries, this is not possible. And what I really found interesting there is to find this collaboration, to say that this is really a company which wants to be at the high end in developing instruments and devices. And they're collaborating with someone who wants to bring this type of treatment of service, if you will, right, 
to those who at the first glance shouldn't or don't have access directly to it. And that's what I found quite interesting is because he was really, so this, this ophthalmologist, he worked really relentlessly and he also built a network and he was able to run really top level trials, clinical trials to show that the, the technique he developed was as good as what you could have in the, in the Western world, but much more affordable. And also producing the lenses on site in Nepal. These are stories like this where you say, actually, anything is possible. <laughs> you just need to find the right partners and you really don't have to give up on, on your vision. So that's, that's at least for me, that was one, one of the two episodes that was really, that really remain in my mind. And the other one was much more recent in the last season in, in the summer, which we had a series of Tech for Good. So we know technology in, in education and it was also in healthcare. And, and this one lady who was really, I mean, I was really totally blown away because she doesn't have a background in, in healthcare, but she's coming more from the, I would say, if I'm not mistaken, the IT side or at least the, the technology side. And she's been in different uh, industries, but then she realized that being, traveling around the world and seeing all the different things that basically, if you were able to give access to everybody, connect the systems, with, have your personal data whenever you need to go to a hospital in whichever countries, and make that sharing of information easy. And she's developing that right now. And it's really amazing. So, yeah, I think technology can help a lot. Your podcast uh, also won an award, which is definitely worth mentioning. And I do want to learn a little bit more about what, uh, you know, is your motivation behind uh, this. You also did a TED talk that was not related to science. So can you tell me a little bit more about uh, those uh, interests of yours? So th the way I like to see it is that now... In the past, I don't know, decades or whatever, we've very much siloed not only the work, but also our lives, right? You say you have the professional, you have in your free time, this is what you do, or in your leisure time. But in the end, I, I think as a person, at least I speak for me, is that you can have different interests and, and your potential is not unique. Your potential is multiple. So whatever I find interesting and I want to try, I will do. Obviously, the science part is also something very fascinating for me because I've I've you know, this curious mind. And as far as I can remember, I think I must have been seven or eight years old. I remember seeing this book, I think it was in school in the library, where there was like a human body. And I thought to myself, oh, actually, you can learn how the human body works. <laughs> and this is where this interest for life science in general. And for me, life science also means that there's the biology part, if you will, which is the more formatted part of my education, my profession. But then the life science is also who you are, how you interact with people, how do you feel your, yourself as a person. And for me, all of that is intertwined. And then the, the TED talk, which was more about every individual you know, needs to take the time and introspect because th that's where you can find a lot of answers to many things and challenges and that's where you also find the strength to go through different things and the podcast is then perhaps taking it another notch and saying okay you have yourself but then you live you're a social being right so you have people around you you have a community you have a family whatever it is so how do you bring all this together and how these do all these influence each other and then that's how i'm trying to bring it all in one space so to speak so i don't think they're mutually exclusive but obviously it's it's perhaps how can i say this not conventional right <laughs> but but i think everything feeds into each other and even just the fact as you were mentioning all these the guests that were on who were speaking about healthcare for me everything is connected right
but curiosity is a powerful fuel. Absolutely. <laughs> Without that, I don't think I can move forward. <laughs> You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you enjoyed the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast so others interested in digital health and healthcare around the world will find the show as well. And if you haven't yet, do subscribe to the podcast to be notified about new episodes automatically. In the next episode, we'll talk about VR with three speakers. But enough about teasers. Subscribe to the show and be notified about that episode automatically. Stay tuned. <laughs>